0: Hi, my name is Wasif, and welcome to The Pumpkin Patch, where we talk about adventures in parenting, as well as health and wellness. It's presented by iCare Pharmacy, where I'm a pharmacist and an owner. So if you have any questions about the podcast, or you need help with a prescription, you can feel free to text me at 780-705-8871. We provide free delivery, as well as expert advice, all throughout Edmonton, Sherwood Park, St. Albert, Beaumont, as well as even Stone and plane. So if you do like the podcast, please uh, give us a uh, you know, five-star rating and hit, hit subscribe. Thanks so much for dropping by, and uh, I hope you enjoy uh, our conversation. Thanks. Bye. My name is Wasif. I'm the owner and pharmacist of iCare Pharmacy, Windermere. And uh, welcome to the iCare Podcast. And so if you have any questions in regards to this podcast or any questions about your health in general, feel free to, you can always text me at 780-705-8871. And yeah, I'll definitely reply to any questions that you may have. So yeah, so today off off camera, I have my wife, Dodo. Say hi.
1: Hi, everyone.
0: And I also have a very good friend of ours, Simone Rambrancing. So here, she is a speech therapist, speech pathologist. Uh, She's been um, graduated from the University of Alberta in 2003. And she, you know, uh, helps a lot with kids in regards to helping them with their speech. And also as well has a special interest in kids on the um, autistic spectrum as well. So yeah, thank you so, uh, so much for joining us, Simone. And, Hi, nice
2: to be here.
0: Yeah, so Simone works at uh, Body Restoration. So she's just my neighbor upstairs. <laughs> so uh, yeah, whenever it's too loud, it just, you know, hit the room, <laughs> tone, it, tone it down up there. <laughs> so, uh, that, that doesn't happen. <laughs> but uh, yeah, yeah. So uh, just in the Windermere area. And uh, yeah, so I thought it'd be great to have uh, Simone on because uh, like this video is probably not going to, this podcast is probably not going to brought... Brought, uh, be um, online and until after we give birth, sort of thing. But I thought it'd be still a good idea to kind of get her on and just kind of uh, help build us expectations and what we can do in terms of, you know, what what do new parents and what can they do to kind of help maximize and, and you know, be able to, uh, uh, what's the word, try, try to help the baby with speech and that sort of thing down the road.
1: Exactly because like our kid is probably going to be speaking three different languages. Like I'll speak mostly to the kid in Arabic yeah. and English, and then Wasif will, you know, or do like we want yeah. like we want him to be uh, multilingual. Yeah. So how do you like do that without confusing brains out of the kid? Oh,
0: well, first like I guess what is the age that kids normally do uh, do talk to do
1: develop language abilities?
0: Yeah.
2: So, um, babies, as you know, babble, they start by babbling and cooing and making different like vowel sounds, as and os and that kind of stuff. And then they start babbling and there's different types of babbling, it gets more sophisticated. Um, usually babies are one before they start to say words, some are a little bit earlier than that, but the expectation is for them to say one word by the age of one. Usually that word is mama or dada, right? Yeah. Um, and then by the then they have a huge language uh, and word vocabulary uh, boost of language that happens so by between 1 and 18 months they go from having one word to 50 words so that's where you see a lot of that those words coming in Um, and then by the age of two kids usually can put together two word phrases so go up no banana, more please, that kind of little telegraphic uh, type of speech. So it is interesting to note, though, that when you're learning more than one language, some kids will seem delayed, right? And the reason that they're going to seem delayed is because their brain is acquiring more than one grammar. So it's not really the vocabulary, The, the child will still have lots of vocabulary, but their grammar might seem difficult because um, they're acquiring more than one grammar. So their brain is trying to decipher which rules apply to this one, which rules apply to this one. So we know that's that's different for kids. Um, so you might find that the kids aren't using um, verb tense appropriately, for example, until a little bit of a later age. But it's not to worry. They're not behind. They will catch up. It's just that they're learning more um, than a kid who's just learning one
0: language. Yeah, just as a side note, it's interesting that when I was uh, young, I went to a speech therapist and I was, uh, I was so upset. I went to a speech therapist because I was like my parents think I'm stupid (laughs) right (laughs) my parents don't think I'm smart (laughs) but obviously you know as a kid right that's that's the you you know as an adult you obviously understand where that's coming from but do you ever do you ever run into kids who just say like who is this lady why am I here
2: yep I had um uh, and some of the kids I see are extremely smart that's actually part of the problem (laughs) so what what they do is they're really fast talkers or they have so much to say that sometimes their grammar is seems to fall a little bit behind or they're just going so fast that they might have a bit of a stutter where they're repeating sounds or if they have a lisp. So a lisp is when your tongue pokes out for the S and Z sounds, that's oh. kind of the typical one, that it's hard for them to correct it because they go so fast, they speak so quickly that to slow down and focus on fixing a sound is tricky. Um. So that's interesting that you went. Wasif, do you remember what you went for?
0: No, I don't remember. I think it was something. I think I had delayed speech, yeah. but my like we were a household that was learning two languages, so yeah. maybe that's the reason why I don't remember much of it except like I was playing a lot with toys, so it seemed like okay at the time. <laughs> so it you was yeah. And
2: I like how you say that because. Um, Pretend play is a great indicator for a child's language skills. So when kids are able to pretend play, get into characters and play really appropriately, we worry less than kids who don't get the whole play thing.
0: Yeah, yeah. That's a- and you know
2: what lots of research came out and the reason the research came out about this dual language learners or in your guys' case maybe even three languages yeah. is because we've had so much um, influx of different languages and cultures in the schools and what we get now sometimes is two parents who are here in Canada um, they speak a different language and their English grammar is not great it might be good but it's not great or in some cases it's really not very great but then they want teach their child english right so they make that a priority so they're speaking primarily to their child in their broken english so we actually discourage that we discourage that because we want the child to acquire your best grammar so if your first language is you know uh chinese tagalog french and your english is broken then we would say speak in your primary language because we want your child to acquire a very rich grammar and an, an appropriate uh, grammar.
0: Oh, that's really interesting.
2: <laughs> yeah, and then when your child goes to school, they're going to pick up the English. So we don't have yeah. to worry about that. They're going to get the English and as long as they have a the strong foundation, they're going to do really well. So um, that's a, that's one of the things that we do encourage parents is to speak to their children in their best language.
0: Yeah, the one, one part I like them about your practice is how big of a play area you have (laughs) yeah yeah but uh I see sometimes that when you have kids um, come to join you sometimes like I don't think so much during COVID but pre-COVID you would meet them downstairs and kind of um, meet them and the parent and then escort them up is that just kind of make them feel more comfortable to be able to join you
2: Yeah, I think sometimes the parents feel a little bit or the kids maybe feel like they're coming to the doctor's office because we we are part of a doctor's office. And I just want them to feel like they're coming to play with a friend so that they're they're really relaxed when they're coming to speech and uh, I don't think that children should have work the children's work is playing so. All of the speech therapy that I do takes place during play. Like oh. a kid should never feel like they're they're being forced to work really hard. I think it should be fun and encouraging and and that kind of thing. So I wouldn't be surprised if you knocked on the ceiling with your broom because we are very very noisy.
0: <laughs> so uh, the other question I had was um, like uh, you know, kids they they'll form concepts of things before they actually form the actual language to express it. And I know in some cases they'll use like, parents will use like sign language with the kids to kind of help with that transition. Is, Is that something you recommend or? Yeah,
2: I love, I love baby sign language. So that's just the very simplest gestures, because usually, so I said kids speak at around one, right? That's when their mouth and their muscles are able to do fine motor movements necessary for speech, right? But often their understanding comes before that. So they actually get a bit frustrated, right? So they, you know, they point, And you think they're pointing at the apple and you give them the apple and then you get a tantrum or something like that, because what they really wanted was the banana right. But if you don't have words um, it's hard for kids to kind of express what they want so kids can actually start to imitate simple gestures before they can say the words. Okay. So for that reason, you could start to use some very basic gestures like more. So you're giving a couple of bites of something and the baby yeah. wants more. And they might not even do proper sign like this. They might just do this like a clapping motion, oh, which this. is fine. And you go, oh, more. And then you give more. So yeah. and then the baby feels really empowered because they're like, oh, you understood me. So when you're yeah, adding yeah. those gestures like go or come here or shh and you put your finger to your lip, the baby is getting visual input as well as auditory so if you think about um if I talk and I say a word so I say banana so you heard it but now it's gone right so you can't check you can't go back and see what I just said it's already over so if I hold up my finger and I'm showing you the symbol you can keep you can keep referencing it right you can keep yeah. referencing it because yeah. i'm still doing it and so the child has two ways two modalities to take in the vocabulary um and so you're just kind of hitting multiple
0: senses what do you what What do you use for milk
2: milk is like this
0: oh like this
2: like squeezing oh. like almost like like squeezing the cow's oh,
0: okay. udder
1: right it's a squeezing yeah, yeah, movement yeah
0: yeah,
1: okay. yeah. so how and cookie and
0: what are you
1: saying, honey? Oh, sorry, I keep interrupting. I'm sorry. No, no,
0: you're, I no, want go you ahead. to do that. No, it's just not <laughs> like
1: I'm thinking, like, okay, so yesterday I'm sitting there thinking, like, um, obviously there's going to be, you know, a period of time for the, us to adjust with the new baby,
0: yeah. um,
1: the routine. And I'm thinking, like, how soon do you start doing these motions with a baby, like a newborn, right? For example. Like, yeah, just- The newborns
2: the newborns are teeny tiny so um, they're not they can't really see you properly anyways they they say that when the baby is born their their visual distances from when you hold them in your arm to your face that's all they can see if you're even across the table they can't see you so you'll notice when baby starts to really respond to you and look at you, um, probably after four months but you're still talking to baby all the time i mean we and it's great to be narrating as you go i wanted to teach my kids french so what i did was but my husband doesn't speak french so what i was doing is all the routine little things i would try to do in french so i would talk about washing your face getting ready for bed singing some songs in french to get them used to the sound of French. But then when we were together as a whole family, it was mostly in English. So, but I think that really helped me to remember to speak in French. So I would do certain things in French and then other times English. So anyways, so, it's good for them to get that exposure to the different sounds.
0: So when they, when you're teaching them like little sign languages when, uh, before they're able to form the words, that doesn't delay their speech or anything. No,
2: it it, it will encourage their speech sooner.
0: It will encourage
2: their speech sooner. And that's a good question because I have parents ask me that all the time, especially with little kiddos who are, uh, you know, are on the autism spectrum. Um, They sometimes worry that if we introduce gestures or any other form of communication that the child will not use their voice. In fact, usually it acts as a, a scaffold for the child to use their
0: words. So okay. it will
2: actually help the ch- child acquire that vocabulary sooner.
0: Helps to kind of reinforce it.
2: Yep, yeah, oh, totally. Yeah.
0: And so, what's a difference in terms of learning and language for like a, um, a say, like an autistic child? Well, the
2: thing autism that's so interesting and of course it's of varying degrees right we have perfectly fluently verbal kids with autism and we have completely non-verbal children with autism who might have other very high intellectual abilities so we i do usually a parent's number one goal is to get their child to speak because of course that's the easiest thing to um understand but some kids are not going to learn how to speak and use their voice so part of it i think is an ability to to, um formulate your thoughts in your head and then and then put it out through your voice some of these kids do really well with augmentative communication devices so we use things like touch chat that are symbol based um, to get clear communication i have children who can make paragraphs using their their touch chat who are unable to speak or We've taught them to speak on demand, you know, but it's still not their go-to uh, preferred method. So it's really, it can run the full range, you know, no, no two kids with autism are the same. They, all different strengths and different challenges.
0: Okay. And then uh, how has your practice, like, changed with COVID-19? I imagine, like, I think you mentioned it to me before where you had to do a little bit more online and that sort of thing.
2: Yeah, I did switch over to online. Um, We tried to do things like masks and plexiglass and that type of thing, Um, but the children were finding it difficult. They don't have the full um, cue from my face if I'm wearing a mask, and then many of my clients wouldn't tolerate wearing a mask because I do work, I tend to work with preschoolers. Um, Also having them wash their hands and try not to touch your face is impossible. you know, with these little kiddos. So a couple of them moved to online classes over zoom. um, And then some were not able to do not able to have the attention to do that. So some kids have been on hold for some time now.
0: Okay. And then do you find like, because we are a little bit more isolated during the pandemic? Has it affected any of the speech of the kids? Or, yeah, or it's hard to yeah,
2: say. It's interesting because I, one, one kid in particular I'm thinking of has really thrived. I think oh, he's wow. a very high anxiety kid. And so getting yeah. ready for school, going to school, not being prepared for what might happen during his day and then coming home at the end of the day. And he was very, very anxious. So he's been homeschooling since that was offered and he's really thrived. So his parents are so happy. You know, he went from being a kid who, you know, was just learning his alphabet and now he's reading. So that's that's an amazing outcome. The parents are really putting in a lot of effort there. Uh, some kids, I think, have been, more, you know, the ones that want to be more social or the ones that need to be working on their play skills and their social skills are struggling, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, because sometimes peers are the best way for kids to be motivated to talk and to play. And it's hard if you're just
0: surrounded by adults, right? Yeah, yeah. Yeah. And Yeah, and honey, you run into a lot, like uh, my dodo, she works at the Edmonton Immigration Services and she works in a lot of the schools. So she works with a lot of kids who are um, second language and that sort of thing. Yeah, it's
1: all online. And I, I like, uh, okay, so uh, I have clients who, well, I have students who are um, uh, Arabic speaking. And so I have to go back and forth a lot between Arabic and English. I have students who are from Pakistan, Somalia, um, like a whole, like all over the world, right? So I really try to engage them. And the way that I, I engage them is by like saying, okay, well, how do you say it in this language? And we try to find similarities. And that really helps them with their speech, right? Um, mm-hmm. Online has been tough it's, it's worked um one-on-one is great I love the one-on-one setting but I think kids are just exhausted from being online so until we go back in the school like when you're in the school it's different because you get to have a lot of social interaction it's that you know that physical um interaction that you get with them that really makes a huge difference um but online also afforded me that opportunity to just really focus on like really language development and, and really focusing on, you know, just developing those skills. Right. Right, But I think for me, my biggest thing that's helped me again, like I said, I always try to go back to the kids. Like I've even dealt with first nation kids. And I say, okay, well, how do you say it in your first language? Right. And like, do you, do you speak Cree or Métis? And I'm like, okay, how do you, how do you speak? uh, How do you say it like that? And we always try to find similarities. If there is none, we always try to find a bridge in between the both cultures. And that really helps with their learning. Yeah, that's so, awesome.
0: I think that's, yeah, that's uh, kind of how I do I think, it. I, I think that'd be a great
1: strategy, right? Yeah. So, yeah, and books,
2: you know, um, I can't say enough about reading. We've, it. there's been tons of research and literature to show that if you read to your children, read to your children, read with your children, and then have a really engaged reading, um, that they learn language because they're hearing all kinds of different language Um, stories will sometimes be told in the past tense and then they switch to dreams in the future or they show interactions you know those good old-fashioned Berenstain Bears uh, books have all of these social um, scenarios happening right Um, between the Cubs the cub siblings and their friends and all these types of things like, you know, dealing with bullies or whatever, what have you. So it's so great to read and then, and then engage after the reading or during the reading in questions, describing pictures, talking about it. And you could do this and, and they bridge the gap between languages too, because even if I was looking at a book that was written in Arabic, I can still, if it's a picture book, I can still Make a lot of ideas about what's happening in the story. Probably even understand based on the pictures, right? right and yeah. then you can do the pointing and asking questions and and doing all of that. So I can't say enough about books. You know, okay. plus you're right. when
0: you're,
1: yeah, right. yeah, I think that's uh,
0: that's the that's one, great advice.
1: That's the one thing that I feel like from online um that I'm kind of missing. I mean, we try to do a lot of like I share my screen, so we use Google Meets or. MS Teams and we share, uh, I share my screen and I find online books to read. But the biggest yeah. thing that I would do when I, we were not in lockdown is that we would also do pull up reading sessions with kids, and I found that was amazing. So I definitely agree with um, with uh, Simone on that. That just like the reading, the interactive reading, like I read to our baby sometimes, like when I'm like doing uh, sessions with the kids, like I make sure the baby knows, like, hey, we're good, like I'm starting this kid early, like, we're gonna be reading. <laughs> Because that's how I grew up, right? So you're gonna
0: the baby's gonna come out with homework.
1: Yeah, basically. <laughs> oh, here we <you> go. Assignment <laughs> <a> due Friday.
2: It's <laughs> awesome, and you can get Wasif to read too, because it's been shown that babies can um tell their dad's voices when
0: when they're born. Oh, really? Yeah. yeah. Oh, crazy! <laughs> oh no! Okay. I better, I better get uh, get reading, then. Yeah. Okay, <laughs> uh, yeah. Oh, okay well. Yeah, no, that was, uh, yeah, thanks for joining us today, Simone. That was a lot of, uh, uh, you know, a lot of of homework for us (laughs) to to work on. So, yeah, I really appreciate you joining us today. You
2: guys are going to do great, and I'm here if you need me.
0: Yeah. (laughs) Thanks again for listening to the Pumpkin Patch Podcast. If you like what you heard, please feel free to give us a five star rating and subscribe. And again, if you have any questions about the podcast, Or as well, questions about your health or wellness, text me at 780-705-8871. And uh, have a great day and hopefully we'll chat soon. Thanks. Bye.